The team presents the Jim Davis Show. Call or text the team line at 970-242-1340. Colorado sports leader, the team. It's 9 o'clock, Jim and Cake from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. It's Patch Friday. We celebrate the start of the weekend. NFL championship game weekend. Chiefs and Ravens. Lions at the 49ers start Sunday on the team at noon. Your predictions on that one, on either one of those games or both games. We'll have our picks coming up in just a little bit. And make sure you get your picks in for Pile Pigskin Pick'em, powered by Kistner Motors. Once again, no weekly prize, but the points go toward winning that uh, Traeger Tailgater Grill from Fruit Co-op Country and also uh, uh, one of two. They're going to give away two gift cards worth 500 bucks each. Play again, Sports and Valley Plaza. You're looking to get some uh, new golf clubs or any other sporting goods that are in great, great shape for half the price. We can use that gift card to do that at a Play Again Sports in the Valley Plaza. So uh, text or call us on the team line today, 970-242-1340. And we've got uh, Sam on the team line this morning. Good morning, Sam. How are you? Good morning, Jim Davis. Happy Friday. Let's try that again. Take two. Good morning, Samuel. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Jim. How about you? I'm doing fine. Had a button that was not pushed in. We got that taken. Ah, yeah. Okay. I could hear me, but I guess you couldn't hear me. Huh? No, we, <laughs> could, we could not hear you, which is, which is makes for a very uninteresting conversation. Very one-sided. On. Very one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, I, I was hoping you guys would bring up the the goaltending situation for the Avalanche right now. Um, you know, uh, Prostatov, He's he's certainly not the answer. And uh, there's been some discussion I've seen online. Uh, one of the names mentioned, and it'd be just tickle me to death if they could get him, is Mark Andre Fleury. That's a possibility. Uh, that I, would be great. I know that uh, you know they had Eustace Annanen that they brought it from the Eagles and was that was wasn't terrible, wasn't. But I don't know if they're really sold on him as a, as the number two to Georgie, and so. Yeah, Mark Andre Fleury might be a guy that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to make a move for for a veteran guy, because I yeah I don't think they, there's a ton of confidence in in Ivan Prostatov to, to back up uh, Alexander Georgiev at this point in time. No, he came in that one game and uh, when when Georgie was having a tough time and he he played a pretty good about a period and a half, and then I think the next game that he started was decent and then he got shelled pretty bad. He Seems to have a, a tendency to lay on the ice a lot. He, he he's not a very upright goalie, and I think uh, anybody that watches any film knows just shoot high and you're going to score. Right. I, I you know like I said I you know I when so we can get a chance to talk with uh, Jackson about that, but I think that is certainly something that uh, you know Chris McFarland, Joe Sackick, and Jared Bednar are obviously they're monitoring that. I think they feel like. Maybe there's an in-house solution with Annanen, but I, I, I think they also are kind of viewing it as we need probably somebody with more experience to back up uh, uh, Georgiev heading, you know, moving forward as they, you know, as they make their way toward the Stanley Cup playoffs. Anything else today, Sam? Well, you know, there was some talk about uh, Zach as a Parisi. Yeah, that's what um, that's what Jackson mentioned that uh, Parisi but, might, uh, the veteran, might come over from the Islanders. He's 39. I mean, how much how much gas has he got left in the tank? Yeah, and that's. I still, I think there, there's still some hope when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs that it'll be a return for Gabriel Landeskog. 
and that, but I, I just don't know how much how rusty he's going to be. I don't know if he's going to be able to get on the ice before the Stanley Cup playoffs to knock off some of that rust. That still remains very much up in the air. Um, you know, I, I said I, I saw the piece in the post about trading for you know for Nazem Kadri and who who knows what's going to happen there. But uh, certainly, I think right now that the feeling is is that maybe a backup goaltender is going to be going to be a, a priority for this team maybe at the trade deadline. Yeah, you got to have you got to have a good goaltending team if you're going to win the cup again. Well, we we, we yeah. saw what happened, you know, with when the Stanley Cup playoff run, you know, with with with, with Frankie and having to step in uh, for Kemper, and you know they they maybe don't win the cup if uh, Pavel Frenzos doesn't play the uh, the way he did in the postseason and playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs the way he did. So it is is very important to have a couple of guys you can rely on in that position. Hey Sam, have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Hey. You do the same, Jim Davis. Take care. All right. Sam from Fruita today on the team line. All right. Uh, text or call us 970-242-1340. Predictions on NFL Championship Sunday, which starts at noon this Sunday on the team. Text or call us 970-242-1340. All right. To coming up, our conversation with Mac Rineker. Um Let's see. Hey, guys, please quit saying home field is worth three points closer to... Uh, 1.8, even less for division games. I've always seen that it's roughly three points. And I, I think what he's referring to is the actual, like, score oh. close to one point. For gambling purposes... It's three points. Three points. Yeah. Also, if you have a gambling problem, one 800 522 Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. That's... You're, you're probably... We're, it's we're what safe. the sports books assign. It's what the books say. I mean, you're right. It's probably different that in reality, but it's... But that's what the that's the number we go by from Vegas that we use for our purposes on this. And again, so, I'm not going to quit saying it because that's that's factual. I mean, that's the number. Also, you get from three Vegas. is a lot easier to say than one point eight. Yeah, because at that point you might as well just say two. It's it's basically it's basically a, an extremely small advantage at home. Can we agree on that? Whether it's one point eight or three. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I appreciate you texting and listening today uh, to the program. All right, 9.06, and um, Mac Renneker's had an incredible season. For Outstanding. The Maverick, for the Maverick basketball team, and uh, you had a chance to, to talk with him uh, leading up to tonight's big matchup with uh, Fort Lewis. Colorado Mesa, seventh ranked in D2 basketball. Fort Lewis, eighth. The Blizzard of Brownson tonight should be a lot of fun. Here's uh, your conversation with Mac Renneker. Joining us right now on the Team Sports Network, the reigning RMAC Defensive Player of the Week and the reigning RMAC Defensive Player of the Year, Mac Reneker of the CMU Mavericks men's basketball team. Mac, good to talk with you. How have you been? I'm doing good. It's uh, good to talk to you, Tyler. Uh, enjoying the beautiful weather today, that's for sure. You know what? I, I will take what we have today uh, pretty much any day of the week. Uh, nice and sunny, clear and blue. Uh, let's talk about where you guys are at. And it's, it's been red hot lately. Uh, you guys are on a huge winning streak and you've got your fourth defensive player of the week award. What I find so interesting is, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong. When you were playing last year, you only got defensive player of the week, like once, right? I believe so this year. Uh, I am fortunate enough to get awarded that four times already <laughs> this year. I'm uh, stoked about it. 
and it is great that the team is red hot, like you said, right now. And we got a big game this weekend on Friday against Fort Lewis, who is also one of the top teams in the RMAC. So it should really put a good test to our defense and offense too this weekend. We're going to talk about Fort Lewis more coming up here in just a little bit, but Walk me through your approach. So obviously you got recognized as a great defender last year with the Conference Defensive Player of the Year Award. You've now got a four-time Defensive Player of the Week Award. You're obviously a front runner for another Player of the Year Defensive uh, Conference Award. Do you feel like your defensive game has evolved from last year to this year and has gotten better? Have you made any significant changes in your approach? What's kind of been your defensive game compared to last year, which was already a great year to now this year? Uh, Yeah, this year I have not really changed much, but this year for sure our coach has put a lot of pressure on us to focus as a team more on defense, and it seems like I've just been fortunate enough to be in the right spots at the right time with all the ball pressure that everybody on our team is putting, that sometimes the ball just comes right to me, and I seem to be, I seem to be getting rewarded for it. So, exactly. <laughs> Overall, I think our team defense is just really improving this year over last year, and I think that is helping me uh, overall. And when we talk with your coach, Mike DeGeorge, it seems like you know that's kind of echoing what you said, that the defense carries sometimes the offense where you create opportunities and then you switch it on the other end of the floor. You've been one of the leading scorers this year. And three-point shooting has been, it uh, seems to me from a sort of outside observer, that you guys have really put an emphasis on three-point shooting this year. Yeah, there is a lot of analytics that go into the game, especially in these higher levels, such as college. And uh, for our analytics as a team, what tells us that it's going to be best for us is more possessions. And to do that, we just got to get up shots faster. And we, we have good shots. Don't pass it up waiting for a fantastic shot so we're just trying to get up as many possessions as we can and uh seems to be working right now and that includes a lot of threes which is pretty fun let's go back to this past weekend you became the 21st member of the thousand point club for a colorado mason mavericks player career-wise over a thousand points for you what does that mean to you how significant is that for you and what was kind of your reaction when you uh when you heard that that was something you'd accomplished uh, yeah, it's awesome that I was able to achieve that goal. It was not a specific goal for me by any means because I'm mostly focused on defense. But overall, it's a great accomplishment, and I'm happy to be joining all those great players that have done it before me. I did not even really know that I was that close until the weekend before. Uh, my coach, uh, BJ, the assistant coach, new guy this year who was awesome, told me, yeah, you're only 19 points away. And uh, so I, I knew that it was coming in the next week or two, but I was pretty happy when they acknowledged it at the media timeout. And it was pretty great to get a big clapping ovation. And I don't know, pretty awesome. Of course, your teammate Trevor Baskin, he got there last year. His father, John Baskin, is the all-time leading scorer. And I got to ask you, does he ever talk about maybe uh, outpacing and overtaking his dad for that record someday? Uh, I know that that would be pretty cool if he did. I uh, honestly am not sure exactly how far away he is, but I know that a couple of us every now and then will joke that you got to catch him, especially because <laughs> Mr. Baskin, John Baskin, is always at the games, and it's always fun to uh, joke around with those guys. They are a great family, and they're great basketball players for sure, and it's fun to watch them kind of compete a little bit in their legacies. I love it. 
I love it. Mac Rinnaker joining us on the Team Sports Network today. Uh, let's talk a little bit before we get to uh, the Fort Lewis game this week. And it, it is going to be a huge game. It's a top 10 matchup, uh, according to the latest coaches poll. Before we get to Fort Lewis, though, want to talk about, you mentioned B.J. Andrews, a new assistant coach coming on. Uh, you've got Mike DeGeorge, obviously head coach. We all know he's the guy in charge. And then you have Kyle Boucher, the assistant coach, and B.J. Andrews. You know, when we have, like, football, right, you have the head coach, you have the offensive coordinator, and you have the defensive coordinator. Can you kind of give us a little insight as to maybe what the role is that B.J. Andrews has provided and where he kind of, what kind of, what does he bring uh, to the coaching staff and to the to the scheme that you guys are running this year? Yeah, he has been a massive part this year. Uh, as you, I think you guys know, DeGeorge is more of a defensive guy, and he kind of is in charge of defense. Coach B, or Coach KB, Kyle Boger, is an offensive guy and in charge, and Coach BJ kind of just fills in all around. He does everything from he works out multiple guys every single day. He does the scouts for us. And the best part is, like, when he's at practice, he's not that much older than us. And he just think he's like 28 or 29, so he's a good median between uh, the players and the coaches. He is sees it a different way that the coaches do, just because he's played uh, more recent. He kind of gets our point of view, and he gets the coaches' point of view. And overall, he has just been a great impact on the team of kind of getting everybody gathered and unified. Uh, he's in charge of the warm-ups during the game and gets us all loose and gives us a big pregame speech and gets everybody hyped up and ready to go. You mentioned something a little earlier I want to talk about real quick. You mentioned the analytics, that the idea that the strengths of your team, you can really build off of them by having more possessions. So that obviously plays into your defensive game. And so these these analytics, did that kind of come from Coach Andrews or was that something that Mike George brought in? What was kind of the uh, – who kind of brought that part of the game, the analytics side of the table? Uh, I think that was mostly Coach DeGeorge and Coach – uh, KB, they are both very intelligent guys, and even before Coach BJ got here this summer, they already were saying that we're going to get a new offense going this year after the loss of uh, losing our player point guard Blaze Street last year, who was also part of the Thousand Point Club. Uh, we didn't really have a specific point guard that was going to come in and just be able to facilitate the offense as much, so we uh, they decided just to let everybody go out there and kind of free flow and play and be uh, interchangeable. We don't really have certain roles on the team this year. Everybody just kind of does everything. And with the analytics that the coaches came up with, that is working for sure. Mac Rinnaker joining us on the Team Sports Network today. So then you got this Friday, top 10 battle. Uh, according to the latest coaches poll we mentioned, you guys rank seventh, Fort Lewis, right behind you at eighth. And so it's a very good matchup on paper. You look at it, you guys are number one scoring offense in the RMAC. Fort Lewis is number two. Fort Lewis, the number two defense in the RMAC, and then you guys are the number fifth defense in the RMAC. And so I imagine for you guys going into this game, you know, you want to prepare and you, you want to give every team equal share and equal footing, but this one, this is going to have some some ramifications going in for like the RMAC tournament and stuff. What's been the message this week as you guys get ready for Fort Lewis? Yeah, this week is definitely just focusing on Fort Lewis. It's going to be a good check to see where we are at and not only the RMAC, but kind of the national uh, 
polls to see how good we are against the top 10 matchup again. We did get a loss against West Texas, who I think is ranked number one right now, right before Christmas. So I know that we've been working on some stuff since then. And just to see where we're going to match up against Fort Lewis, who is very talented this year, will be a great time and be very fun to watch. So it'll be great. Of course, the crowd's going to be all in your guys' side. It's going to be the Blizzard and Brownson wide-out game. It's going to be a uh, crazy environment. And you guys have done really, really well at home. For you, what's kind of the impact that you feel playing at home versus playing on the road? Yeah, the obvious uh, toll is, or difference is just travel. It's nice to be able to get a good night's rest in your own bed right before the game get up, use your own training room, not have to be on the road, eat hotel food. You can kind of cook the meals that you like before time. But then also just knowing that you're at home, and especially this weekend, students are back in town. It's going to be a massive crowd. Uh, it's going to be a fun environment, and just knowing that it's your house and you kind of got to defend it is always uh, motivational enough. But at the same time, just knowing you got to go out there and do your best wherever you are. But for sure at home, you got to bring it. All right, we got a couple more questions for you. One is is about your team and your and a teammate of yours specifically. Uh, we've talked with Coach DeGeorge uh, and Coach Pachet about the return of Ethan Menzies and bringing him back and and reintegrating him back into the system from a coaching standpoint. But I want to ask you, as a teammate of his, what's it been like seeing Ethan come back and come back from two years off the court, recovering from those injuries as a teammate of his, what's that been like seeing him get some, uh, some minutes as of late? Yeah, it has been one of the best things to watch. I came in to the same uh, grade as Ethan about five years ago and just, he was so dominant right from the beginning that he was kind of a coach almost to me as somebody who was trying to fill his backup role. And into the injury, he was always there, even when he was injured, kind of trying to coach and still be active in the team. He's been a captain every year that he's been injured still. And that just kind of shows how much respect that all the guys have for him, especially me after being one of the guys that was been able to play with him the longest. And just seeing him back out there on the court mentally is just fantastic, and especially because he contributes a lot to the team on and off the court. So on the court, he is just so intelligent that he knows exactly where the play is going to be, where he's supposed to be, and how he's supposed to do it. And it's awesome to see him back out there. All right, last question for you, non-basketball related. When Mac Rineker is not in season, training for a game, going to practice, in game, when he's not, when he is not basketball, Mac Rineker, what is he doing in his free time? Ooh, anything outdoors. I uh, love camping, fishing, and hunting. And overall, I'd say that is what I try to do most of my free time. But, you know, there's always chores to be done. But <laughs> uh, whenever I have some free time and fun time to go out on the weekend, I normally like going out and getting outdoors and checking out the new area of this beautiful Colorado that we're living in. I was going to say, as a uh, as yourself as a Steamboat Springs resident, I imagine the outdoor is pretty important to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially because during the season – we don't get out much skiing for much skiing because we got practice every day and we don't want to get hurt. Right. So, off yeah. season, you got to make up for it. Exactly. Well, Mac, uh, it's been an, an, a lot of fun watching you guys this year, and we hope to continue watching you guys succeed. Uh, Mac Rineker, reigning RMAC Defensive Player of the Week. We will catch up with you Friday. Uh, we'll have the call for the game starting with coverage of 515 right here on the Team Sports Network. Mac Rineker, great to talk with you, man, and uh, good luck this Friday against Fort Lewis.
Thank you. I appreciate it. Good talking with you, too. All right. Great job, Mac Renneker. Uh, outstanding work, uh, Cake. Uh, talking Thank to you. Mac Renneker, uh, our Mac uh, reigning player, of the defensive player of the week, but also reigning defensive player of the year as well. Mavericks, the seventh-ranked uh, Cover Mesa men's team, takes on eighth-ranked Fort Lewis tonight on the team. Uh, should be a great one uh, over at Brownson. The, the the Blizzard and Brownson tonight in the Whiteout game should be a, a, a that place is going to be absolutely rocking. Oh, tonight. it's going to be great. Yeah, and uh, have a great call tonight. That'll be a lot, that'll be that'll be a blast. To, uh, I'm sure to get to call that game tonight uh, over at Brownson with the the environment, what it's going to be like tonight. All right, coming up next, we'll uh, we'll have our picks. I believe the Pope is back from his cruise. We'll we'll find out. Rested, ready, refreshed. I probably need to send him a text to make sure just that to be is, safe to make sure he's available. We'll have that. We'll have uh, Fort Down Territory, the state in sports history, and uh, Bud Moraz, the first ever Fruita High School State Wrestling Champion, will go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. We'll uh, also have that conversation as well, plus a gentleman that will go in with him next Friday. Fruita Monument uh, two-time state tennis champion Caleb Marquardt will also join us coming up in just a little bit on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. It's your morning sports and more. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team. Welcome back, 923. Jim along with Cake today. Thanks for joining us. Predictions on NFL Championship Sunday. Chiefs at the Ravens. The Lions at the 49ers. Uh, text or call us, 970-242-1340. Uh, we'll do our picks coming up in a little bit. Also, four down territory and this day in sports history. But right now, going to bring you a conversation I had uh, with uh, one of the gentlemen going into the Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. Uh, my conversation with first ever uh, Fruita High School State Wrestling Champion, Bud Morez. Talking through the Monument Wildcat Sports on the Jim Davis Show. With us right now, he'll be uh, one of the inductees on February 2nd at uh, Fruita Monument High School to go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. He had captured uh, Fruita High School's first ever state wrestling championship uh, back in the late 1950s. Bud Morez joins us. Bud, I appreciate the time. Thanks for, for talking about your career as a Wildcat. Not a problem. Thank you for calling. As I mentioned, you're the first state champion in Fruita history back, uh, what, 1957-58 around there. You also uh, uh, had another state championship, if memory serves me correctly, on this. Uh, take us back to, to when you won the Wildcats' first ever state title because uh, there have been a lot of Wildcats since you that have uh, have won that championship uh, at the state level, but you were the first one to do it in Fruita High School history. It was uh, in 1957-58 season. It was my first I was a junior, uh, sophomore. I was, I'm, I'm sorry, I was a runner-up my sophomore year. My junior year, I won it, and my senior year, I won it. But you became the first state champion. Take us uh, through that, that, first, uh, that first state championship for, for the school, but also your first state championship as well, what that, what that season was like for you. Uh, it was uh, quite an experience, as I remember. It was really exciting. Exciting because it was it was a very successful season for us and Fruita, and uh, it was quite enjoyable. See uh, that year, I uh, finished third in the Western Slope as from a team standpoint, uh, third in the state uh, with, with fifty-seven points. And so, uh, for you, who are some of the, the the toughest matches, Bud, that you had uh, in route to that first state championship? Oh boy, you're taking me back 
quite a ways where I don't, I don't remember, recall them by name, but there were several that was uh, very tough. I uh, wrestled to a fellow by the name of Dick Peterson when I was a, I believe it was a, I think the only match that I lost as a senior. We wrestled in Grand Junction. And I went up a weight because I wanted to wrestle him again. And we met in the Western Slope Tournament and the State Tournament. Now, when you won that first state championship, the school's first ever, I mean, did, did you realize at that moment after, after you'd won it that uh, what, what, you know, kind of what that meant that you'd won the school's first ever state wrestling championship for, for an individual? I never really thought about it until it was done because, uh, I don't know, I just, uh, back in the day, we, we didn't, uh, we didn't concern ourselves with that too much. Uh, but it's quite an honor to do it. Well, like I said, many after you uh, have, uh, have uh, accomplished that uh, success, winning a state championship. But, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you, so you you were the guy that, that set the set the bar. You're the first one, the first Wildcat to do it, to win a state championship. We're talking with uh, Bud Merez, who won, uh, it was again, three state championships, Bud, or two state championships and a runner-up, correct? Runner-up by sophomore year, and uh, I was a champion in junior and senior year. I uh, should mention, too, the, the one of your teammates, uh, Nick Coles. I remember Nick, uh, Mr. Coles well, uh, played football. Absolutely. Yeah, played... <laughs> I beat him by about an hour and a half, or he would have been the first state champion. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also, you, you'll join him in, uh, in the Wildcat uh, Hall of Fame. But I, I played football with, uh, with uh, Mr. Coles' son, uh, uh, John, back in the day. And John's also in the, in the Hall of Fame as well. But uh, that's, uh, th- I'm sure that uh, Nick Coles is a guy that probably pushed you on the mats a little bit, even though. You're in different uh, weight classifications. I imagine you guys kind of pushed each other to have great success. Uh, we did. We did. We were uh, pretty good friends and uh, uh, teammates as well. We played football with him. Uh, I wrestled with him, and then he he did track in the spring, and I played baseball. And it's also, but I believe on your resume, you also played football at Fruit at High School as well. I did. Yeah, so you were a multi-sport athlete. Uh, uh, you did a, a variety of things as, in terms of athletically, and then uh, you also were student council president as well. So you were involved in, uh, in uh, as far as the, 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 the student body, involved uh, as the student body president as well. Yeah, I was a pretty private, shy kind of a person, but they they kept pushing me to the front. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have been shy, but I tell you what, the, the resume doesn't say that. I said student council president, you're the, the carnival king, you're in the journalism club, you're the president of the, the F club, uh, senior class officer. So for a shy, quiet, retiring guy, Bud Merez, you you stayed pretty active, it sounds like. Well, they, uh, they kept pushing me to the forefront. <laughs> the bed, All so. my friends and uh, the teachers and the students and the, the whole town, actually. Well, uh, you certainly did not disappoint anybody, uh, Bud, with the with the things you accomplished as a a Fruita High School Wildcat. We're talking with Bud Merez, who will go into the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame on February second. So, uh, take us through uh, your life, Bud, after uh, you were at Fruita High School and and now retired, living out in California. But uh, uh, what was the Bud Merez story after you were a uh, Fruita High School graduate? After I graduated out of Fruita, I uh, failed to go to college. I was offered several scholarships, but I didn't. I didn't uh, feel that I really wanted to further my education, so I I joined the service to 
joined the Army, went in the Army for three years, and then I uh, came back to Colorado, and I moved to California, where I uh, started working for the city of Lawndale as a uh, construction engineer. And uh, now enjoying retirement, of course, uh, these days, and... And uh, I know that uh, it'll be it'll be great to have you out here in, uh, of course, in the Valley, out in Fruta on February 2nd when you go into the, the Wildcat uh, Hall of Fame. So, uh, hey, bud, I appreciate the time. Thanks for taking us down memory lane today and, and talking about your uh, successful career as a uh, Fruta High School wrestler uh, back in the late uh, 1950s. Uh, bud, appreciate the time. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right, that's Bud Merez. Uh, once again, the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday when uh, the Fruitland Monument basketball teams play host to Central uh, in South Washington Lake play. All right, 9.30, trying to track down Petey. He's, is he still on the cruise? I don't know. Maybe he's still on his cruise. I don't know. Maybe he took a vacation yeah. from a vacation. You <laughs> he know? might. Well, he's retired now. He can do that. So what we'll do is it's you know he'll just have to, like before, he'll take the worst record of... Between you and uh, Buckeye Boy and myself. Do you get Buckeye's picks? Yes. Okay, very good. All right, so here we go. It's time for our pigskin picks. Once again, get your picks in at our website, theteam1340.com. It's powered by Kissner Motors. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of How did we do last week? Uh, fairly well. You and myself went three and one, and by proxy, that means Petey also went three and one. Rio went four and zero. Oh. Yeah. So he's got what a two game lead on me now. Uh, that is correct. Okay. So I have work to do. You have work to do. All right. And with only two games to pick this week. What is best in life? Sorry. To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. I was going to say, with only two games to pick this week, it's uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge. Now, he, he, I'm I'm not going to say surprised by his picks, but they are fascinating. They do go a little against the grain. Okay, so we will we will dive into that here in just a minute. Okay, here we go. Yeah, that's right. All right. All of the AFC and NFC championship game coverage is right here on the Team Sports Network starting at noon on Sunday with Westwood One and the team. For the AFC title game, the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore, Kansas City Chiefs at the bank in Maryland. I mean, Petey's got to be picking his Chiefs. At the, yeah, this I one's mean, yeah. probably a given. Uh, I am going with the Ravens. Rio is going with the Chiefs. Okay. Ooh. What say you? I'm going to go Ravens. All right. Any particular reason why or just? The way that offense is playing, Lamar Jackson's playing, that that defense. I, I just think for Kansas City going the road back-to-back weeks, I, I don't can't say it's impossible because I'm not going to say that. But I like, I like the Ravens at, at home, so that's why I'm going to go with them. And plus... I'm not going to root for the Chiefs. I'm sorry. No, I can't do that. All right. Last, the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers, the Detroit Lions. Rio is taking the 49ers. Petey, we don't know who he's taking, and frankly, at this rate, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because he's going to get the 
worse, worse of the scores this week. So, Jim, who do you got? Man, I, I like the Niners in this at home, but I'm going to go Detroit. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Lions. I'm going with the fighting knee biter. Let's go. I am also taking the Lions. Give me Dan Campbell. Give me the fighting, biting kneecappers. Let's go, Lions and Jared Goff. Let's go. All right. So there we go. Once again, coverage starts Sunday at noon on the Team Sports Network. All right. Uh, coming up, Caleb Marquardt. He'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. Uh, I think I mistakenly said two-time, three-time. Ooh. State tennis champion. He sold him short. I, yeah, he sold him sh- short by one state title. Uh, that's coming up in just a moment. Time right now, though, for... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. <laughs> All right, start things out with first down. Peter King, when he uh, started out with Monday morning quarterback, it was a, it was a staple of Sports Illustrated. Yep. Well, uh, Peter King, in a recent interview, talked about where things are with the state of sports print coverage, if you will, with the demise of um, Sports Illustrated. And he he talked about, well, he appreciates websites like The Athletic and thinks The Ringer's really good. But he also loved, remember Grantland? Grantland was a really really good website and it it was gone. Poof. And he said that... um, when he was at uh, Sports Illustrated, there were 3.1 million homes that uh, that Sports Illustrated went to in the mailbox every you know, every week, and now that uh, you know, that's not the case anymore, it's like it just it just shows how quickly things can turn with internet sites, mm-hmm. but just where we are now with with print coverage and media and sports coverage in general, how you know. It's we're losing something like a legacy in Sports Illustrated. You know, it's really kind of a, a as they quoted, a fragmented media landscape. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a huge loss for those of us that, that grew up reading Sports Illustrated. And what how important it was. All right, second down. A fantasy football website announced this week that one of its employees has been fired over a cheating scandal that took place during a tournament that had a six-figure prize. Ooh. The National Fantasy Football Championship announced Wednesday that an investigation determined that one of its employees used internal controls to make changes to a contestant's roster after games had kicked off. The changes were made during the wild card round and divisional rounds of the NFL playoffs. Oof. Contest at a $150,000 prize, by Ooh. the way. And so, um, anyway, that contestant, the employee switched out Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert for Packers running back Aaron Jones. Mostert had just 33 yards in the loss to the Chiefs, while Jones had 118 yards and three touchdowns against the Cowboys. Divisional round, play switched out wide receiver Rasheed Rice for the Chiefs for tight end Gavis, uh, Travis Kelsey. And that came after Kelsey scored a touchdown to win the, in a win over the Buffalo Bills. So the contestants team has been disqualified from the tournament, and the now ex-NFC employee has been fired. But that tournament, though, is continuing on. Woof. That's, uh, people, stop cheating. No bueno. Third down, Zach Stevens of DNVR posted this little nugget of trivia. There are only two teams in NFL history of this uh, era that have had four players with 10 or more touchdowns from scrimmage in a single year. The 2023 Detroit Lions and the 2013 Denver Broncos. Oh, wow. 
For the Lions, it's Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, David Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs. Can you name the five Broncos players in 2013 that had 10 or more touchdowns from scrimmage? Let's see. Uh, Eric Decker. That's one. Julius Thomas. That's two. Um, Demarius Thomas. That's three. Wes Welker. That's four. Uh, Moses Moreno. No, Moses. Um, oh, gosh. Former Georgia running back. No, Sean Moreno. That's five. Yeah. You got him. Okay. All right. He's called him Moses Moreno. Flashing back to CSU. That's <laughs> uh, fourth down. North Carolina State football put out their schedule release graphic on social media. It looks like this. I'm holding it up to you. What the heck is that? Can you make heads it's or tails? It's a collage. Of, it's literally like magazine clippings. You know, it, were, look, were it looks in, like it's a kidnapping ransom note. Yeah. <laughs> As an art piece, it looks yeah. cool. As a piece of information that tells me when they're playing, it's terrible. it does me no good. Wow. Graphic design is my passion. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway. There you go. All right, that's fourth or four down territory this morning. So we'll shift gears to this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1913, Jim Thorpe gives up his track medals from the 1912 Olympic Games. A result of having been a professional, he was paid 25 bucks for playing in a semi-pro baseball game. 1951, Jimmy Fox and Mel Ott elected the Baseball Hall of Fame. 1955, Joe DiMaggio goes into the Hall of Fame. 1960, Pete Rozelle is selected as the new commissioner of the NFL. On this day, 1986, the Chicago Bears win their first NFL championship since 1963 when they set a Super Bowl record for points scored in defeating the Patriots 46-10. Da Bears. Da Bears. Uh, 1991, Houston guard Vernon Maxwell joins Will Chamberlain. Nuggets great David Thompson and uh, Spurs great George Gervin as the only players in NBA history to score 30 points or more in a quarter. Maxwell scores 30 of his career-high 51 in the fourth to help Houston beat Cleveland 103-97. Also on this day, 92, Washington wins their third Super Bowl in 10 years. Redskins beat the Bills 37-24, 1997. Green Bay Packers beat the Patriots 35-21 to in the Super Bowl. Brett Favre hits up Favre. Hits uh, Andre Risen for a 54-yard touchdown. The Packers' second offensive play, Desmond Howard, the first special teams MVP, uh, ever scores on a 99-yard kickoff return to put the game away for the Patriots. And also on this day, uh, one final one on 19 or 2007, Martin Brodeur makes 28 saves, extends the NHL record for consecutive 31 seasons to 11 as the Devils beat Tampa Bay 2 to nothing. And that's this day in sports history. We'll take a break. We'll come back and... Uh, Fruit Monument uh, Tennis uh, State Champion Caleb Marquardt will join us next on the Jim Davis Show. Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking through the Monument Wildcat Sports on the Jim Davis Show. Next Friday at Fruit Monument High School and the Wildcat basketball team's host Central. It'll be uh, this year's uh, class of the Wildcat Hall of Fame. And uh, our next guest... Three state championships in number one singles in tennis. He went 72-1 and one in his career. An impressive resume for Caleb Marquardt, who will go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Caleb, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes this morning. 
Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate it. It's been a while. It's great to catch up with you. Of course, you graduated back in, in 98, but uh, during that time you were matriculating at Fruto Monument High School. You won three state championships uh, at the number one singles. You uh, won four regional tennis championships as well. Um, just the overall record. It's just, it's it's incredible. 72-1. and one. Who was the one guy you lost to? One guy I lost to, I'll never forget that. I was a freshman. Um, I lost to, I played for uh, uh, Cortez High School uh, my freshman year, and um, I lost to him, believe it or not, first round of uh, my of state uh, and by a guy by the name of Andrew Lumpkin. I lost to him 7-6 uh, in the third set. I lost by two points. And who knows, that, that might have kept you from winning four state championships. That's entirely possible. Yeah, that was a that was a a, a hard lesson on that one. He, I was a freshman; he was a senior. Uh, he definitely put a lot of pressure on me, but yeah, that helped me gain a little more uh, confidence and knowledge on how to play play in the future for the high school, the, the remaining high school matches. I guess. Well, it worked out pretty darn well because uh, you, you won three consecutive state championships at number one singles after that. And uh, I, I guess when you you look back, let's start out very quickly. How you got into tennis? Give us the, the story about, I mean, because the, the career is one of the, 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 the greatest we've ever had here on this side of the hill in, in boys' high school tennis. Caleb, how did you get into tennis? What was the, the early beginnings for you? I think I was uh, seven or eight years old, um, just watching a black and white uh, TV in a small town, Cortez, Colorado. I was watching Wimbledon, and uh, uh, the number one player in the world then was Ivan Lendl. And... Uh, I was watching a little bit of that. My dad said, hey, do you want to go out and try to play this sport? And I said, sure. So he gathered up some old tennis balls, a couple old wood rackets, and we went out to the tennis court. And um, boom, from that day forward, I got addicted. And it was um, six to eight hours on that court every day. <laughs> so who helped to shape you as, you as you progressed? Obviously, your dad got you into it. But as you as you grew as a tennis player, got older, who helped to kind of shape your career as you headed toward high school during that, you know, that, that, uh, that phase of elementary school to, to middle school years, Caleb, who's the, the, the coach or coaches that kind of helped uh, uh, shape your career to, to get to where you won three state titles? Well, it was definitely, definitely my dad and my mom, you know, it was, it was not necessarily all on the court. It was off the court too with discipline. Um, but yeah, other than that, myself, it was me and my drive and that's what I wanted to do. And, Nobody made me go out and play. You know, I had a dream of uh, what you know, a goal set. What I wanted to do. I wanted I, at that time. I wanted to be the best in the world, and um, uh, I spent hours doing um, you know uh, court sprints, going to the gym, playing tennis, and repeat, repeat, repeat. So uh, that's what I wanted to do, and it was kind of uh, self-controlled. So yeah, you so so a self-made player because I mean, this day and age, I mean that just doesn't happen. You hit, you get a coach. You get somebody that, uh, you, that that works with you at, at the youth level. You play a, a ton of youth tournaments. You have somebody that kind of uh, guides your career and 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 finds your your you know your serve your your you know your your backstroke all these you know the, the bat, you know, all these kind of things that uh, that are out there your forehand that you know those are that's how it is now. I mean that's remarkable that it was your parents and you, Caleb, that that made you the play, the tennis player that you were. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, nowadays, you know, you, you'll find very few uh, pro athletes that, that that'll do it, on, you know, on their own. Um, you, you know, it, it might have helped a little bit to, to have, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a high level coach from uh, 
Florida or California that really knew a little bit more about technique. Uh, my, my dad knew a little bit about tennis, but more it was more like he had the uh, boxing attitude, get out there, blood, sweat, and tears. Or I didn't really have anybody teach me the right technique. So that's the only thing that um, I kind of regret, and my dad does too, or my dad did too, was um, – you know, get me to someone that uh, had played pros before and or, um, uh, you, you know, coach the pros to, to teach me a little bit more on that technique. And when I when I was 20 years old, that's the first time I really, uh, you know, got taught right technique to hit. I was kind of an unorthodox player all along. We're talking with three time Fruto Monument, uh, number one single state tennis champion, Caleb Marquardt. will go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame coming up on Friday, February 2nd. Uh, you, uh, along with that, uh, you were uh, uh, named the uh, State Farm Player of the Year in 1997. Um, you know, the athlete, uh, uh, you were recognized at the, the state level four different times uh, for your performance on the tennis courts as well. And so take us through the, the high school years. And, you know, I, I'm trying to remember who was your coach back then? Who, who was the Wildcats coach during that period of time? Well, it was my dad himself. Yeah, okay, it was your dad. dad. Yep, he was my coach all along through my Cortez High School and my three years at Fruita Monument. He was the coach, personal coach and high school coach. So, and, and so maybe a couple names off that those teams back then when you won state. Uh, just some some maybe some names that people might remember from. I mean, obviously your name is the one that comes to the forefront for everybody that followed high school tennis back then. But maybe a couple of uh, of members of, of the the tennis teams back then that you played with. Okay, you're talking about tennis teams and not individuals. Yeah, just, just just individuals you played with on some of those teams. Oh man, gosh, you know, um, I can remember having some uh, uh, matches against uh, oh Cherry Creek. I remember there was Chad Harris. Chad Harris was one of my biggest rivals. He actually was a rival of Andy Roddick's uh, at a national level, uh, and Andy Roddick was number one in the world. Um, uh, you know, kind of like a Roger Federer or a uh, Nadal or um, an Alcaraz. But, yeah, he was number one in the world uh, years later, and uh, um, Chad Harris was his rival in the nation. Well, Chad Harris was my rival in Colorado, so that, that's the one name that, that uh, definitely sure. sticks. Sure. Well, a teammate that you had, though, maybe a teammate that you played that, that helped kind of sharpen your game and pushed you a little bit. Who was a, a fellow Wildcat that you played on occasion that – that, uh, that that certainly uh, made you have to work a little bit hard out on the courts. Well, I tell you, you know, I never went to school with uh, uh, Richard Johnson. He was a couple years younger sure. uh, th- than me, but uh, I, I play, you know, him and uh, uh, his brother uh, David Johnson um, definitely helped my game out quite a bit too. Kayla Marquardt joining us today on the Team Sports Network. So uh, after high school, you went to the University of Arizona. You played tennis there. Then you were at, uh, over at the University of Colorado as well. Can I take us through the, the college years for you, uh, Caleb, as a tennis player? Yeah, I went, um, I went uh, let's see, University of Arizona for, uh, you know, two, two and a half years. Um, that was a great experience. I mean, you know, I stepped in there. Um, and that was night and day for, from high school tennis to, you know, basically University of Arizona. Uh, you know, I remember rooming right next to Richard Jefferson, some high-level athletes. So you, know, you take it to a whole new level going to that, – at that time it was a Pac-10, you know, uh, school. Um, and, then, and then CU was great too. I took about a year off and um, I stopped tennis for about a year. 
Um, then I went to go play for CU, and, and those were some high-level athletes as well. I know a, a lot more high-level than, than, than they are right or, or they, they were back then. But, yeah, that college was a great experience. It's basically a semi-pro level. So what are you doing these days, Caleb? Um, I run the, the Junction Indoor Tennis Center there uh, by Sam's Club. I, 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 I coach uh, uh, group lessons, private lessons, and my main focus is uh, big junior programs. Um, I, I help work with probably half of the juniors in town um, that have goals like that, like mine were, or some that just uh, want to do it recreationally. What's the one piece of advice you could give any of those young players that you wish you could have given yourself back then? Well, if we had iPhones back then, I'd say I uh, don't ever get, you know, get off those iPhones and get out on the court and play. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first piece of advice. Just stay out, stay off the phones, pick up the racket and get on the court and get to work. And as yeah, simple as that. Hey, uh, Caleb, I appreciate it. Uh, congratulations. It's well-deserved on uh, your uh, forthcoming induction into the Wildcat Hall of Fame coming up uh, next Friday out at Fort Monument High School. I uh, appreciate catching up with you and uh, you had a, a sensational career, one of the, the, the best careers anybody's ever had on this side of the hill, I mean, maybe even the state. And when it comes to tennis, I appreciate the time today, and, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Jim, thank you for the phone call. I appreciate catching up with you. Take care. Thank you so much. Caleb Marquardt, uh, three-time state tennis champion, number one singles uh, for Fertile Monument. And once again, uh, those uh, festivities next Friday out at Fertile Monument High School. All right, um, it is 9.53. Hop into the dumpster very quickly to wrap up the show. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. I don't know if you keep up on the uh, coastal Carolina real estate market these days. I typically don't. So Christian McCaffrey has finally put up his uh, North Carolina home up for sale since he no longer plays in Carolina. Uh, six bed, five bath, 12,000 square feet, 500 feet of lakefront, home theater, gym, all that good stuff. Uh, when he bought it in 2020, it was $7.5 million. It is now $12.5 million. Wow. That just goes to show you the state of the real estate market these days. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, let's see. Trying to get digging through stuff here very quickly. Um, I, I hate to mention this, just, just saw this email. Uh, we had Bruce Shepard on yesterday talking about Bob Cates. Uh, sadly, uh, got an email update that, uh, that Mr. Cates has passed away. He's going into the, uh, the Wildcat Hall of Fame uh, next Friday. But, uh, but unfortunately, Bob Cates, uh, who was in hospice, uh, passed away uh, late last night. So uh, certainly our condolences go out to Absolutely. his wife, Linda, and his family. And I know that uh, they will not be in attendance understandably so for next week uh uh the the wildcat hall of fame induction but uh, certainly uh so glad to see uh bob cates go into the the hall of fame and uh, certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to the cates family all right that's our show for today jim rome's coming up next don't forget the battle in brownson tonight seventh rank Colorado mesa men eighth rank for lewis plus the uh which should be a sensational women's game as well Tyler's going to have it all tonight with pregame at 5.15. The women will tip it at 5.30 minutes, 7.30 tonight. Don't miss it right here on the team.